0: Welcome to episode 59 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro Allen and Dr. Todd Houston.
1: Okay, welcome back to another episode. Um, I wanted to go through some things that we've talked a lot about self-care on here, but it's summertime and it's time for, you know, some of us school-based SLPs at least to take a break. And so I found some ideas from Jenna over at Speech Room News. And some, some that I hadn't really thought of or heard of before. So she talks about some things that she likes to do to take a break. And one of them was, you know, finding something that's artistic. And she talked about paint by stickers, which I've gotten for my kids before on Amazon. So it's kind of, it's, like the adult coloring books and kinds of things, but it's, um, a it kind of a mosaic. Can you pull the stickers off and put it on to create like a mosaic picture? So I d- have done a lot of the adult coloring books. I was in a training, um, last week from 10 to seven, 10 AM to 7 PM every day. And, I cannot focus that long unless my hands are doing something. So I have some very beautiful coloring that I did (laughs) while I was doing this training so I could focus. So that's that's a good idea. And then she talked about a couple of journals. So there was one that was the 52 list project um, and it was 52 lists for happiness and then another one that was a uh, start where you are, which was a journal for self-exploration. Self-explor- um, so I thought those were some good and different ideas that I hadn't heard before. So just the idea of, you know, have a creative outlet and have something that kind of gets your thoughts out and, um, you know, lets you express yourself, I think is the basic idea. But then recently she also had another post that I really liked um, talking about. Uh, SLP self-care in a different way of we need lower to lower our caseloads, pay us our worth, pass legislation for workload caps, uh, fight for equity within our field and listen to our actual needs. And I just have to say her exact words because they were so perfect. It says, it is about time in the summer when your feed is full of hashtag self-care visuals for the summer. If employers, ASHA, and our state organizations really want to give us some self-care, here's what I would order up. Keep your hot baths, daily walks, and reading for 20 minutes a day, and give me lower case loads and workload caps. What would you ask for really improving your self-care? it was a question she asked. So I think that brought up some really good points that we can take all the bubble baths in the world, but if we <laughs> have a caseload of 90, mm-hmm. we're not going to be okay mentally. So I like that idea. And I actually like not to, I don't know, promote, um, exclusively, uh, telepractice, but I really hope that telepractice is a way that some of those things can be fixed because one of the reasons why we have high caseloads is they can't get SLPs in that area. And so Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that telepractice is something that can mitigate that and saying like, oh, look, we have another way to bring in SLPs without making them physically move here. So hopefully that helps. And I, yeah, it's definitely something that we need to keep advocating for.
0: Sure. And so just here's a question for you. So when when you're working for a company, do you does the company cap how many students or that's assigned to that SLP if they're delivering services to a school? So so the school district can not say we want your company with one person to work with 90 people, 90 kids. So there is yeah. some caps built in.
1: Yeah. So there are. And. I've always found it to be pretty flexible in that I I give them my schedule. So that's kind Mm -hmm. of how I can control things is I give them my schedule and then I get my caseload from the school. And if it's something and I have had this happen where I was like, this is more than I can handle in the hours that I have given you and I let my company know and they're like, okay, if it is, we'll bring on another person. But I do always have that kind of like panic at the beginning of the year of like, how is this going to fit? <laughs> and, you know, and I, I've negotiated things like, okay, you gave me two kids at a time all day long. This isn't working because when I have one of them, here's the data that I get. When I have two kids, this is the data that I get. You know, they're not getting as many opportunities and, It's so I feel like it's more has more flexibility, is more of a negotiation than this is your caseload. You're the only SLP. Figure it out,
0: (laughs) right? And and I've been there as you have been there in terms of uh, being on site and trying to manage large caseloads and having to group do mostly groups and sometimes group kids that had you know polar opposite diagnoses. the things that you're working on and just trying to, you know, fit all the, all the kids in. And so hopefully I agree with you. Hopefully telepractice can be a way to mitigate some of that stuff. And, and, and we'll see some changes. Mm -hmm. I know here in Ohio, I know one of my colleagues at the university of Akron has done a lot of uh, research on caseloads in the schools. And I think they've gotten some, some policies in place here that it can't go above 70, which is still a 70 kids. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that was a big step, apparently, because before they got agreement on that, it was much higher. So uh, 70 seems to be what people here in Ohio are doing, although there may be others that are doing more than that.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. And I think your state organization is a good place to start with that. And also something that people might not think of is your state teachers association, too, might be a Mm -hmm. good place to work with that because they are kind of can sometimes be more familiar with just like the school culture and school policies and special education than even the state organized SLP
0: organization. Very true. Very true. So good resources and good ideas. And uh, I I agree with everything that she's saying. We need to have more of a level playing field and be included and and be valued as professionals. So I agree with everything that she's saying. Um, I have a couple of things I wanted to share. One thing is uh, there's a, a newsletter that I subscribe to. It's called The Medical Futurist. And the... Uh, the guy that does it is uh, Bertalan Mesko, and he's a physician. And basically, he's talking about in this most recent newsletter, this is sort of a couple things sort of tangentially and related to telepractice, but he's talking about Amazon. and We've kind of mentioned Amazon before, um, but Amazon is apparently uh, – Going more and more into healthcare, so now not only are they selling medications, they are now manufacturing medications that they then sell. And then uh, he's talking about that you know with their cloud service, which a lot of companies and a lot of you know corporations and 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 uh, hospitals are now using their cloud services uh, to manage data, that the next step would be that they are, would be even getting into the provision of healthcare. And so he's saying probably in the next three years, you're going to see a major shift with Amazon. They'll continue to do what they're doing now with selling everything under the sun, but you'll see a lot more sort of... Um, different kinds of services that they would provide. If you are, for example, a prime member, you would get access to maybe certain healthcare providers or whatever. And so they're, you know, working on how that's going to sort of flow. But apparently Amazon is going to be one of those big competitors going forward. And of course, telehealth and telepractice is going to be a big part of that of being able to provide these services uh, to to more people, you know, but it it does raise concerns about if you're not online, like we talked about before, and if you don't have great uh, broadband, then you may be left behind or may not have access to some of the healthcare services that might be coming. So Amazon is a big, is a big deal. And I think we need to continue to watch them. The other thing that he was talking about, which I have not read this before and uh, something just an interesting fact. He quotes the World Health Organization, and he's he's talking about the future of healthcare, and uh, he's basically saying that the WHO projected that globally, almost 13 million healthcare workers will be missing from healthcare by 2035. And with over half of the world's population lacking access to essential healthcare and the increasing leaving of frontline workers after COVID-19, it's easy to sum up, we're heading towards a healthcare crisis. So worldwide, we see a lot of people leaving healthcare or they're being replaced through technology. And, uh, and so it kind of goes back to one of the things that uh, that I've talked about, you've talked about, but it's, it's not necessarily that technology is going to replace speech language pathologists or audiologists or other allied health professionals. But those SLPs and audiologists and allied health professionals who know how to use technology will replace those who don't know how to use technology. And that's really what it comes down to is that uh, more and more of our services going forward is will be delivered at a distance using technology. And if you know how to use it, you have more job security. If you don't know how to do that, then you're going to be left behind. Mm-hmm. And so that's just another sort of article that kind of continues to reinforce what we see happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. With that move toward technology. And I think it also reinforces that, that self-care can also be in the way of advocating too, because mm-hmm. you have people also leaving because of the things like we talked about that they have mm-hmm. a huge workload and, right. you know, long hours and things like that. So that's something that we need to watch out for too and keep taking care of our healthcare workers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think there's that balance there. So that, you um, know, work life balance and and we have to make sure we're doing that and yep. and be competitive as well
1: yeah exactly so
0: on our podcast today who yes. do we have
1: yes we have um Kendra Fark, and she is another one of those SLPs that is just kind of in the trenches working in telepractice and um, has also created some resources. So we're excited to talk to her about that today.
0: Hi, it's Todd Houston. I just wanted to reach out to you, our really talented, wonderful listeners that we have, and just ask you if you want to join us. Yes. Would you like to be a content creator for the 3C Digital Media Network? We need you. We need content creators to come and join us. So if you have a blog, a webinar, a course, or maybe even a podcast that you'd like to do... We would love to speak with you. So, please, if you have some ideas, email me at Todd, T O D D, at 3C Digital Media Network.com, and I'll reach out and we can have a conversation. And so, hopefully, we could have you develop whatever you'd like to develop and work with us. Again, Todd at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com, and I will be in touch. Now, back to the interview.
1: Okay, we want to welcome Kendra to the podcast. Kendra, tell us more about yourself.
2: Yeah, thank you, Kim and Todd, for having me on. Um, so I'm a speech-language pathologist. I graduated from Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville, in 2010 with my master's in speech-language pathology. Um yeah, I started out working with adults in uh primarily acute care outpatient therapy and rehab. Um and then about 3-4 years ago, um I started looking into telepractice and made the transition over.
0: And, and how did that happen? How, how, what was your uh uh transition like?
2: <laughs> yeah, so um well after i had uh kids the commute and the schedule um, became a little bit trickier um, for uh commuting into the city for acute care each day um so i started looking at some other options and i happened to meet a friend who did telepractice a new friend Um, and I was intrigued, um, and it seemed to check off all the boxes of what I was looking for. Um, I was also excited to learn the new technology aspect, um, with telepractice. So, um, yeah, so I started looking into it more and decided that it was going to be a really good option and a good fit. And I was excited to, to try something new and different. So, uh, I looked into a few companies and found one that I thought would be a good fit applied and. Yeah, I've been doing it ever since the last three school years.
0: Okay, so you went from adults to kids, right?
2: Yeah, so I've actually worked primarily with middle school and high school students um, in the school setting. So it actually has translated pretty nicely from like the cognitive language speech aspect mm-hmm. of adult care, um, which I, I wasn't sure how big of a jump it would be, but it was actually a lot smoother um, transition than I thought it might be.
1: And I feel like there's kind of a, I don't know, preconception out there that if you haven't had experience in the schools before, you can't make a jump to telepractice. Um, how how did you find that? Or did did the company you were talking to care? Did, did you find it difficult to like write IEPs and make that jump?
2: Yeah, so um I that was one of the
1: first questions.
2: And I put some feelers out like in the Facebook group, um, Facebook teletherapy groups, um, you know, would companies even be interested in me before I started thinking about realistically doing this. Um and I got mixed responses. Some people said, yeah, no problem. Other people responded, you know, um, I don't know that anyone would hire you. Um, so I did some continuing ed. I read up on, you know, school-based therapy, IEPs, all of that. Um and then when I started reaching out to companies, I was just very straightforward, you know. Um I haven't worked in school since my intern my externship in grad school. Um but I like learning new things, you know. I'm excited to learn um about new topics and develop those skills more. Um so I was just very straightforward with them and um it wasn't an issue to them and they provided, they were happy to provide any support that was needed. So yeah, it wasn't an issue um, with the company I started with. Um, Yeah. I would just say continuing ed. um, And I was fortunate too to start at a, in a school district where the teachers and case managers were really like helpful and um, yeah, really supportive. And so it was a great, a good fit and it worked out, worked out well.
1: Yeah, that can make a big difference. I think those are some good tips too, for people that are like, oh, I can't do it
2: because yeah. I haven't
1: been in schools before. Yeah.
2: And I think one other thing too, was coming into middle school and high school, I didn't have many students that I case managed. So that was a big relief because I could kind of ease into IEPs um, right. a lot more so than being like case manager for a lot more of the younger kids. Yeah. Um, So that was an easy thing. And just kind of reminding myself through the whole process, like, I know all of this (laughs) and, you know, and I have this knowledge base. Um, I just need to refresh my memory and update um, all of this and just, you know, positive self-talk that (laughs) I'm able to do it. Yeah.
1: That's uh, That's what I'm... I'm moving this summer, which I've talked about a couple of times on here, but one of the things I did was go through all of my old paperwork from grad school. And I was like, wow, I knew all of this at one point. (laughs) So yeah, I love that point. It's in there somewhere. You just kind of have to reactivate it. (laughs) Yeah. You have the education you have the skills. Yeah. Yeah. I like that.
0: And so when you made this transition to, to telepractice and working with high school students, middle school, high school. Um, how how has that been? I know Kim has had some experience, does have experience working with some of those high school students uh, through telepractice. Um, so kind of talk about that because that sometimes isn't what we always address is, is sort of the older kid and adults uh, as much. And so how has that gone?
2: Yeah, so um, I think it's gone well. I mean, I, that's what I've stuck with the past three years is primarily middle school and high school. I've done a few like elementary assessments and things, um, in the mix, but for a large part, I stuck with middle school and high school. Cause I like it. I like the age group. Um, I like working on language. Um, and that's what the majority of my caseload is, um, are language students. Um, so I like, I like language and I just like the age. I like that they can have conversations. They kind of know, um, some current events or sport, you know, um, you can have conversations and and talk about life with them, which I know you can do with younger kids too, but I just think it's a fun age. Um, I also think it's a really interesting age to be working on communication skills because it's just an interesting age period, (laughs) right? right. With everything going on socially and, um, so oh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, it had the challenges have been. Um, well, and I'll, I think, Kim, you wanted to talk a little bit about um, the series that I've uh, been doing the boom cards. Yeah. Um, and part of the reason that I I mean, one of the big reasons that I started working on that is that I found that it, some students love talking about themselves in middle school and high school um, or sharing stories or talking about, you know, what they did over the weekend, that sort of thing. But I feel I felt like a lot of them were kind of hesitant and kind of private to like share about themselves or to talk. Um, And I feel like it's kind of just that age, or at least in my experience, it seemed that way. Um, So that was one of the the challenges. Um, And I know a lot of like the different telepractice resources will say, well, just, you know, bring in what they're interested in, their video games, their music, um, movies that they like and maybe it's just me, but I feel like a lot of the times that would kind of fall flat (laughs) because Mm -hmm. maybe I don't know the video games or I don't really, I know it, but I don't know the ins and outs as much as they do. Um, and so it just, it never really seemed to flow very well, um, or really draw them in the way that I hoped. Um, so that was, that was a challenge for me. So, um, but yeah, overall, I have really enjoyed, enjoyed the age group. I also like that they take a little bit more, like we talk about their, their goals and their progress and what they think we can do to improve their progress or, you know, what's important to them, uh, with their communication. So I just really like, I like the age a lot.
1: Yeah. That's what I found out about a week before starting the school year that I was moving from elementary to high school. (laughs) And so it was, it was, a interesting transition <laughs> and not necessarily a smooth one, but it did. We got through. Yeah. Yeah. I can see going from elementary
2: to older kids. Cause that's a big, well, I think that's why I feel more comfortable with the age group too, because you started, I don't have a lot of experience with those little, little kids. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. So it was a lot more familiar to me. <laughs> yeah.
1: So you, you mentioned your resources you created, and I have to tell you that they like saved me the end of the school year. Like I was burnt out. I was trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do for the last couple of weeks? I don't really want to teach them a lot of new information. I've noticed that they really need to review the strategies we've talked about all year. I need a good way to keep them engaged. And then you came out with your (laughs) boom cards. So tell, tell everyone about your boom cards that you did.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, So this year, I finally started creating a boom card series that has been kind of in my brain the last, well, probably ever since I started. Um, So I created a boom card series that is, um, it's a story about siblings going on a bike ride across the United States. Um, And I come out with one chapter. The goal, the idea is to um, use one, one chapter deck each week in therapy. Um, So it'll probably be, I don't know yet. I'm still in the process of writing, but probably 25 or so chapters. Um, so one chapter a week, um, it's kind of a five card or five page story, basically each week that you go through with the students. Um, and then I have a series of different language goals. Um, a lot of the ones that were on my caseload <laughs> is what I created for the, for the decks. Um, and so those are embedded in the boom card deck that you can go through and refer back to the story as you go. Um And I included some graphic organizers and different um, kind of prompts and cues and things that are embedded there to make it flow nicely. So that's just what I had been wanting the last uh, few years ever since I started. Um, And I just could never find what I was looking for. So
1: I decided to make it. Yeah, it was perfect. So just for my own curiosity, I have to know, was this a story that you personally experienced? Are you just (laughs) making it up from your own head? Is it from a book? I have to know.
2: (laughs) Yes. So, um, so my husband actually, he, we both want to do this trail, the trans America trail at some point he had started a portion of it. Um, probably seven years ago. Um, and then, so he's done like a quarter of it, but we haven't done the whole thing yet. So I know all about the trail and the process and we really want to do it. And it's just not in the cards for us right now with little kids. So someday we're going to do it. Um, so yeah, that's what it's, um, I have that knowledge base from, from that. Um, so, and all of our research and, and everything when we were planning for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like how you said it was the goals on most of your kids um, IEPs. And that's what I found too, is that it hit a lot of them and that there were, it, it depended on the week and the kid, but there were some times that I was like, oh, I only got to like one of those resources after I could go back and do all of the other ones. So it was one that I felt like I was definitely getting a big bang for my buck with it. So I really enjoyed that too. And I have to say that I had students that were like, when I, I was at the end of the year and we were doing some progress measures. So I brought out some other things to work on to do bro- progress measures. And they were like, can't we just read our story? Can't we go back to the bike ride story? So there was, there was a lot of interest in it that I was like, maybe not expecting. Cause I have some that are just like, why do I have to come here? Why do I have to be here? But they were, they were getting into it. So um, thank you for that too. It had some high interest in it.
2: Oh, good. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, well, when I was trying to think of what to like what the topic would be, because um, I knew I wanted some sort of like serial story that could go a semester or this school year. Um, because like you said, they what I found was they need like that consistency and they need to be able to review things and look back. And it's also really nice to have like that common experience for the group, um, that shared knowledge base that um, it just makes the group flow a lot better, it seems like. Yeah. Um, so, um, oh, when I was thinking of what topic I wanted to use for the series or write about, um, I thought, well, I love the outdoors, I love adventure stories, um, I know about this, and I thought it would be interesting to high school students, kind of that autonomy, adventure, kind of going out on their own, doing something fun, um, And I just thought it would work well, you know, regardless of where my students were, they might recognize, you know, some of the states or some of the places um, in the story um, that the kids would go through. So um, yeah, I tried to write it so that it would pique the interest of a lot of different students, regardless of kind of their background or um,
1: prior experiences. So I'm glad to hear that some of your students enjoyed it. <laughs> yep, we kept on waiting for them to get to Idaho in the story because that's where my students were at. Oh, man. That's like we're still in Oregon. Yeah. We're almost there. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, so it's okay. It's
0: okay. So, so do you, this sounds like a great story. And unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to take a look at it yet. Are, do you have other resources or, or sort of go-to um, materials that, that you use in telepractice, especially for those high school students?
2: Yeah, yeah. So this is the first thing I've ever created. So I don't have anything else of my own. Um, but um, what I like to use with with my caseload a lot, um, I like Ultimate SLP um, a lot. It's, uh, it's a nice, broad resource um, that's pretty flexible for groups. Yeah. Um, I use IXL for some of my middle school students more that are working on more of like those grammar goals and that sort of thing. Um, And we'll just use those with different game boards. Um, And sometimes I felt like I wasn't sure at the beginning how my high school students would react to like the game boards um, and that sort of thing. But uh, a lot of them, I feel like really like them. As long as the graphics aren't like little kiddish. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like Ultimate SLP has some like older, not older, but, they don't feel babyish or look babyish to me necessarily. Um, so I think a lot of them like that just for like that visual um, and just to kind of pull everything together. If we're working on different goals or different um, different types of things, um, so I like both of those a lot. I use a lot from Teachers Pay Teachers. Um, I really I know you've had Stacy Cross on a few times, but I like <laughs> I like anything and everything that she makes. Um, It's really great. I also like materials from uh, speechy musings, which not all of that is super easy to use with telepractice um, because it seems I don't know, a lot of it seems to me more like pencil paper um, type items, but I like it enough that I I try to use it and make it work. So those are some of my favorites um, as far as materials go. Um, I also like read works and new, is it newsella or news ELA? I can never people
1: say it different, Okay, yeah.
2: <laughs> but I like both of those for more, um, obviously more like narrative, um, literature, uh, mm-hmm. type activities. Cause I really like to use that, um, with my middle school and high school students
1: more. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, another question I've always had for people that, you know, are, have a full caseload and have kids and are creating materials is how
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's why I'm stuck on chapter six or seven so when I
0: can't get out of Oregon that's why right they're (laughs) stuck in Oregon (laughs) yes
2: that's why yeah so it took me like so I've been planning it in my head the last like two and a half years um and then this school year I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually start writing this year and figure out how to do boom cards and how to like actually make materials. So that was a slow process. Um, and then in January, I started actually like outlining stories and planning, like what I, how I wanted to create them. Um, and so the first chapter, like getting my boom card set up and everything took, that took a good amount of time. Um, and then after that, I just try to do a chapter a week and I work on it, honestly, um, at night after I put my kids to bed. <laughs> so I'll just stay up late. I'll do a few like late night sessions to get it uh, created because otherwise I don't, that's the only time really I have to do it. Yeah. So, and I've kind of taken a break. We've been out of town um, the last couple of weeks. So I've taken a break since school ended, but um, I'll probably start up again the next month or so. So just after bedtime.
0: <laughs> so can you give us a little bit of a preview of where the story is going to go? Just 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 a teaser?
2: Um yes. So um they my outline has it just kind of goes through the Trans America Trail. It starts in Astoria, um Oregon and just goes as you know across Oregon, um and then Idaho and then down through I want to say um like colorado across kansas missouri southern illinois kentucky and then i think west virginia and it ends on the east coast there so i have several different um like yellowstone they'll have a stop in yellowstone Um, they'll go through the rocky mountains and the continental divide Um, so some of those big kind of like landmark um places that they'll go through um and some neat like historic smaller towns in kind of the Midwest and Kentucky area. So um there's that and then some different with the social language piece I just have um yeah some different scenarios that they're gonna work through um as challenges come up um along the ride and, and some conflicts that they have to resolve. So yeah so the end goal is the East Coast. It's <laughs> great. Yeah, and I they serve,
0: sort of, you know, my brothers to say, but they get killed at the end. So but <laughs> <laughs> when we talk about some movie, but they, they die at the end. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want that to happen.
2: No, that's not in the plans.
1: <laughs> I also liked too, I felt like it gave me a good base to bring in some nonfiction and, and informational text too. So um, I pulled like, um, speaking of t- Stacy Krause, she has a great resource that's on national parks. Yeah. So I pulled in some of her things from national parks when it like when the story started going through some of the national parks.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: I found some, we did virtual field trips the whole last week. So I found some that were like in areas that the story had gone through too. So I thought it was a great opportunity to bring in those other nonfiction resources that the kids would be interested in.
2: Yeah. Awesome. I'm so glad you say that. Cause that's exactly what I had in mind was like, it's just a good, like jumping off point. Um, but to give kind of that foundation, um, or knowledge base for them.
1: Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cause I feel like it's something that they have an interest in, but it's not, something that they really have experienced a lot of before. Cause, and you know, our kids are on technology a lot. We need to encourage them, like go outside, look at these beautiful natural resources. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
2: And just to kind of pique that interest and see, kind of take a tour. That's the whole thing. Yeah. It's kind of a virtual field trip um, to see like all these neat places that are out there and all these neat things you can experience um, for free or for a little to no money. Um, It's Mm -hmm. all out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: It's a great idea. It really is. And it's something you can just keep building on. You know, you can have stories where they go outside the country and go on different tours and so it's just a wonderful concept.
2: Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Well, and um something i like researching and i like reading and talking about so i always feel like things go better too when it's something that you're genuinely like interested in and excited about i feel like that's always a little bit contagious um to your students Yep. yeah mm-hmm.
0: well kendra it's time i think for our moment of zen are you ready
2: <laughs> i'm ready
0: so, have you heard episodes where we ask some questions?
2: I have, yes. Yeah. Okay,
0: so you know, you know what's in store for you. Yeah. So, feel free to elaborate as much or as little as you'd like. Okay. okay? So, what's the most uh, used app on your phone?
2: Um, the most used app, um, probably Maps. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> the maps app. Um, of course. Of course. We, we like to road trip and we like to go see new places. So we're always plotting out how far away things are and different routes and things. So yeah. Probably maps and weather uh, as and weather.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> good. Good. Yeah. Um, what was the last TV series that you streamed?
2: Uh Ted Lasso.
0: Good. So good show. Did you, have you seen it? <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah, I haven't. You need, uh, yeah.
1: Should I put it on the list? <laughs> you
0: need to. You need to put it on the list. <laughs> Season two is coming out the summer in July, so need yeah. to catch up before it comes out. Um, a favorite book.
2: Um. Oh gosh, favorite book. I love to read. I haven't read much recently, unfortunately. Let's see favorite book? Oh, if I could think of the name of it. Well, I will tell you, um, it's kind of summer reading, but I just, <laughs> I read The Royal We, um, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, just a fiction, fun summer read that my sister recommended. That was fun. Um, I really like historical fiction, too. Um, one that always sticks out is, it's an older book, but Fordlandia. It's super interesting mm-hmm. um, about well, I'm not going to try to describe it because it was a while ago that I read it, and I'll probably <laughs> misremember part of it, but it was a really interesting one.
0: Cool. Awesome. Who would you like to have dinner with, dead or alive?
2: Oh, gosh. Hmm. Let's see. Probably my grandma. She passed away when I was um, in elementary school, so... Um, And she would be like 100 now. So she was alive for a lot and saw a lot. Um, So I'd love to kind of hear more about her history, questions that I didn't think to ask or things we didn't talk about um, when I was younger.
0: Awesome. That's great. Mm -hmm. Um, What's what's the most exotic place you've been or the farthest place you've been?
2: Um, Farthest would probably be uh, Rome. Um, so my husband and I went to, um, London, Rome, and Paris, um, back before kids. Um, (laughs) so a while ago now. Um, yeah. So that was definitely the farthest away that I've ever been. Yeah.
0: What's the scariest thing you've ever done?
2: Um, the scariest thing I've ever done, um, it might've been actually a few, just this past week when we were coming home um, through the Smoky Mountains, uh, we were we had we had to stop at an urgent care the morning that we were leaving, so we got a late start on our travels for the day. Um, so we were getting into our hotel late that night, and it had started raining. Um, and we didn't think to check like what types of roads we'd be coming in on. We assumed it'd be like pretty populated interstates, but we had, it ended up taking us through like straight through the Smoky Mountains National Park on like mm-hmm. windy steep mountain roads, mm-hmm. storm, foggy. So that was pretty, pretty scary. Yeah. <laughs> but we I, made it and it was, I'm sure it would have been beautiful in the daytime.
0: <laughs> I am familiar with those roads. <laughs> Me I, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's, uh, what is a pet peeve?
2: Um, pet peeve. This is kind of specific, but um, if someone's walking behind me and like steps on my shoes a bunch, <laughs> makes my shoes come off my heel, um, that's just always the first thing I think of for pet peeve. But yeah.
0: Yeah, kind of that's story, a <laughs> very, very annoying when that happens. Um, if you didn't choose your current profession, what profession would you like to try?
2: Um, gosh, I don't know about that. Probably, I don't know. I like creating, um, and I like writing, and I like technology. So maybe something in technology, like, I don't even know enough about it to say, but something with, like, web design or programming or something along those lines. maybe cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the last question, if heaven exists... What would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
2: Um, I guess welcome. We're so happy you're here Mm -hmm. and it's good to see you.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, Kendra, how can people get in touch with you if they want to reach out and, and ask questions or just connect?
2: Yeah. Um, so probably my email is the best way. I don't have a lot. Other going on besides that. Um, so, my email is kendrafark slp at gmail.com. Awesome. Um,
0: yeah.
2: And the boom cards, where can they find those? Yeah, so the boom cards, I don't have them on Teachers Pay Teachers yet, um, but they're on Boom. If you search for the ride, um, that's really the best way for them to come um, to find them. Um, the first chapter is free, so that should come up pretty early in the search results. Um, Otherwise, my store name in Boom Cards is Speech and Language Stories. Um, so that is the store where all of the chapter decks are. Great.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for being with us today.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. It was nice to chat with you guys.
0: Thank you again, Kendra, for joining us on the podcast. We really appreciate all of your insights and those useful tips for working with middle school and high school students. Those can be some really tough populations to work with sometimes, and we really appreciate all the stuff that you shared with us today. And thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you don't mind, leave us a five-star review. That helps us to attract new listeners and to reach more people, which is what we're trying to do. And just a quick plug, if you are a content creator, meaning if you are someone who wants to develop a new podcast, maybe. Maybe you have an idea for your own podcast. Or you want to deliver some webinars. You want to do some webinars or courses and sell those. Reach out to me at todd at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com and we'll chat. We'll We'll set up a time to meet. And we'll maybe discuss how you can work with us at the 3C Digital Media Network. And so, until next week, be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.